How about no? You are locked on fantasy basketball, your daily podcast on fantasy basketball. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at BasketballMonster.com and you can find me on Twitter as always at RedRock underscore B-Ball. The NBA draft is in the books. We've had a couple of days to process everything that has happened. If you haven't heard it, myself and Greg Ehrenberg did an immediate reaction show we went through. Well, what I thought was all 60 picks, I ended up missing one of those selections, which I'll talk about briefly today, and we gave some immediate thoughts. I've had some time to ruminate on that. So what we're going to do in today's show is look at some players, more specifically for Dynasty Leagues, for, for some players who are you know outside of the top seven or eight prospects, um, who might have some uh, some value in a Dynasty setting, or at least be a little bit more productive than what their draft slot may suggest. So we're going to cover some of those players here. What we're also going to do is go over some of the news in terms of players who have signed as undrafted free agents onto two-way contract contracts and players who have joined summer league rosters with chances to make regular season rosters. Remember the two-way contract system last year, we had the opportunity for 60 guys to be signed to two-way deals. Because two-way contracts can be signed for two years, there weren't that many openings this season. So we're not going to see the flurry of two-way guys come through this season just because a lot of the guys from last season will remain on two-way contracts for this season. So there aren't going to be anywhere near as many openings. Some of those two-way guys will be converted like we saw in the Knicks with Luke Cornett. Uh, and, uh, and Isaiah Hicks, who, uh, have been tendered as restricted free agents, taking them away from, uh, from two-way guys to potentially full roster slots. There'll be a few of those situations arise as well. So we'll talk about that. The guy that I did miss in, me and Greg did miss in talking about the draft recap on, uh, on a Thursday night, Friday morning. Uh, was Tony Carr to the Pelicans, a guy that I spoke about in the draft preview show with Brian Schroeder, talking about how his athletic testing was really poor, but just another guy who can work as a guard there on the Pelicans, and they do need wing and, and guard depth, more wing depth than guard depth, but I'm not really sure how Carr's going to fit in. Of course, there's Rondo, there's Drew Holiday, there's Etwan Moore. He's unlikely to be a major piece of the rotation. They also have Frank Jackson, who missed all of last season with a foot injury, and I imagine that he would look look to be ahead of Tony Carr in the rotation. So it's not something that I, not someone that I think is going to be an excellent type of a replacement guy. He's not a high steals guy, decent assists. You know, scoring's not too bad as well, but not someone that we really look at as being a, an excellent type of uh, a fantasy upside uh, type of a player. Let's talk about some of the two-way deals that have been uh, signed. Jalen Adams out of uh, St. Bonaventure has signed a two-year deal, uh, sorry, a two-way deal with the Atlanta Hawks. So he's there. Alonzo Trier went to uh, the Knicks out of Arizona on a two-way contract, a guy that had some suspension issues with some PEDs, suffered two of those through college. So he's an interest. I like that pickup from the Knicks, an interesting guy. I thought he would be selected in the draft potentially. I also like what the Rockets did uh, with their, their two-way deal and signing Gary Clark out of Cincinnati, a, uh, a really strong defensive player. And we know that the Rockets have been really looking at role players who have uh, strong defensive skills. So Gary Clark goes to the Rockets. Malik Newman uh, from Kansas, a guard 
has signed a two-way deal with the LA Lakers. Uh, staying in LA, we go to the LA Clippers, are Angel Delgado, or is it Del- yeah, Delgado, uh, big man from Seton Hall. He has signed a two-way for the LA Clippers as well. Um, so they're, they're the two-way contracts that have gone through in terms of summer league. There's a whole bunch a bunch of guys. Uh, the more interesting ones, Kentucky's Winyan Gabriel has gone to the Sacramento Kings for um for summer league. I think that's a, a pretty interesting uh selection. Then Malik Pope to the to the Lakers. Uh, he's from San Diego State. That's an interesting one. KJ McDaniels and uh, Archie Goodwin, two names that we've seen in the NBA. They're going to be playing summer league. Archie Goodwin has gone to the Portland Trailblazers, whereas I think uh, I think KJ McDaniels may have gone to the Blazers as well. I'll have to double check that. Uh, Dusan Rustic, uh, who was the center that played alongside DeAndre Ayton at Arizona, he has also signed with the Suns for Summer League. So hopefully they're not going to decide to play Ayton at Power Forward and Rustic at center. We will see exactly how that works out. That could be a disaster. Yeah, McDaniels, uh, sorry, KJ McDaniels did go to the Blazers for their Summer League team. Um, some other interesting ones, Theo Pinson and Yatu Watanabe have gone to the Nets. Uh, Pinson, a guard from North Carolina, and Watanabe, a Japanese guard as well. So in, I think Pinson's an interesting pick there for the Nets, really a, a good option for them to get a guy like that. Keelan Martin for the Jazz, a really productive forward out of Butler. I like that selection. He has gone uh, to, to the Jazz for their summer league. I believe they're also looking at Isaac Haas as well, although that's not 100% confirmed. For him, uh, Kenrick Williams to the Nuggets. Really surprised that Williams didn't get drafted. One of the highest guys I had on my board that was undrafted. So I like the Nuggets getting that forward type player. Really, really strong option. I think he's got a significant chance to make the, uh, make the, the roster for the Nuggets. Keenan Evans and Jordan Howard to the Warriors. Evans is, is an interesting type player. Pretty interested in him. Denga Dell to the Rockets, as well as Trayvon Duval, another guy that many people were really surprised didn't end up getting drafted. A, a really highly rated high school recruit that went to Duke and then uh, did struggle at times, but really couldn't find a, a better situation in terms of offensive systems that, that really do fit guards. There are quite a few other guards there in front of him, of course, but that's a great opportunity for Trayvon Duval to uh, to get some opportunity there with the uh, with the Houston Rockets, especially in their summer league team. Jacoby Boykins, a really athletic guy from LA, uh, Louisiana Tech, sorry, uh, goes to the Magic, so that's an interesting one. Kaiser Gates to the Bulls and Trevon Blewett uh, to the Pelicans, both of those guys out of Xavier as well. So some, uh, yeah, again, this is all going to start rolling out in the next few uh, next few days, a lot of these decisions. Anas Mahmoud, a big shot blocker, went to the Grizzlies, so that's uh, yeah, some interesting there. And Billy Preston, a former five-star recruit who uh, didn't make it to Kansas and then played three games overseas, he has signed on with the Cavs. A lot of intrigue regarding Preston. Struggled in his three games over in Europe, of course, and didn't uh, wasn't able to make uh, play any games for Kansas. So he's one of the more intriguing guys that we're going to see. Uh, in summer league this season, I think that's probably the major guys in terms of uh, undrafted players signing. Uh, really interesting that Duval one and the Kenrick Williams. They're probably the two more interesting ones, especially that Williams one because if he can stick on that roster, he can be an interesting, really deep fantasy uh, dynasty type of guy. That despite being undrafted, I'd probably take uh, inside the top sixty of a uh, of a dynasty league draft but that also brings me to what's going to happen for the rest of this week tomorrow of course is the call in show monday 8 p.m eastern be ready on your skype if you want to add me josh lloyd 48 and i will call you guys and you can ask me any questions dynasty trade questions value rookies next season free agency 
unrelated to basketball, unrelated to fantasy, ask me those questions. Josh Lloyd 48 on Skype, add me there and I will call you guys and we'll have a, a call in show. And then for the rest of the week, I'm going to be going through and ranking the rookies for Dynasty League over the, the Wednesday, Thursday, Friday show, going through 1 to 60, including some undrafted guys, where they sort of fit and, and my, my thoughts. And I, I touched on this briefly with Greg on uh, on Friday's show, talking about, oh, yeah, draft him higher than his uh, actual draft slot in Dynasty. But I'm going to go through and try and rank these guys uh, over the next day or so and, and present that to you across Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday's podcast. Oh, the other guy in Summer League is DJ Hogg um, uh, to the Pelicans, which he was, I guess, m- a minor surprise. He didn't get drafted, the same as Rawley Orkins, who has gone to the Raptors, another one of those guys that many people thought would be drafted and that didn't end up being the case. Just quickly uh, seeing if I can find any more other... Uh, any more other... Um, news on Summer League. No, that looks to be about it in terms of the uh, the Summer League action. All right, let's talk about... I've got seven guys here. Again, this isn't the be-all and end-all. Yeah, the definitive list of guys who I think can be steals. There are plenty of other guys which you'll see across the, uh, the rest of the shows this week. But these are seven guys I decided to focus on in terms of looking at how their dynasty value plays out. And the first one I want to talk about is a player who was uh, selected... At- at number 10, so maybe a little bit higher than, than the majority, well, definitely a little bit higher than the majority of these other guys here, traded uh, back to the Phoenix Suns in that trade that we uh, we discussed on Friday show that I didn't necessarily like for the Suns, but McCall Bridges, a, an interesting player for the Suns. It could really easily fit, or he will almost definitely be in their rotation from opening night. Whether he will be starting or not remains to be seen. Uh, the Suns did have some interesting news today that they're going to, yeah, re, re, sorry, refusing the cap hold on Alex Land and declining uh, to offer a tender to Lord Alfred Payton. So Payton won't be back on this team. They could run a little bit more Devin Booker at the one, Josh Jackson, TJ Warren, McCall Bridges, DeAndre Ayton. That, uh, that would be an interesting lineup. Bridges is only six foot seven, but can he play? Yeah, at the three with TJ Warren at the four, be pretty small lineup um, and not an overly strong rebounder. But he's going to see some significant minutes now. A guy like Bridges, his stats translated pretty well from a fantasy point of view. And you can have a look there. And a shout out to uh, to Elliot Klaus, who's been helping me uh, do these graphics. So Elliot, uh, really, really good stuff in terms of if you're watching on YouTube here, some nice, uh, nice graphics up on the screen, Elliot. Uh, you can follow him on Twitter at Elliot Class for any graphic design needs that you may have. Really good stuff there, Elliot, to, to help me out with these uh, graphics. So you can see there, uh, Bridges averaged 22 points per for, uh, per 36 minutes with six and a half boards, two and a half assists. But that value, 1.9 steals and 1.3 blocks, as well as 51 and 85% from the field and from the line, and was an excellent three-point shooter across his time at Villanova. That's where the fantasy value comes in. If he was to find himself in 30 minutes per game, which is not an unrealistic uh, expectation, he probably won't get to 30 minutes per game with Phoenix, but 24 minutes a night, 26 minutes per night, that puts him very firmly in the top 150 to top 170 type calculations, and he will almost undoubtedly have little stretches of time where he is top 100 because that steal rate. Now, if he can translate the block rate, if he can keep the efficiency up, which I I do believe the steals, I believe the efficiency, I believe the three-point shooting, and I think he'll be able to score a bit, rebound a bit. I'm not really thinking he's going to do too much in terms of passing, but he is a guy that I would take in dynasty leagues, probably ahead of, of a guy like Colin Sexton, who I'm not massively high on, uh, ahead of a guy like uh, the Fort Kevin Knox, who was picked ahead of him, even though there is that age discrepancy. 
that ability to bring triple one skill set, which is what McCall can do, is really valuable in fantasy. And he's a guy who had an absolutely monster box score plus minus in his last season. And you can say, well, he was older. And that's true. You know, 13.2 is a huge box score plus minus. But even as a freshman, 11.5 is a really, really big score. And I think that's got some translatability as a solid, solid role player. Uh, and, and a guy that on this team who doesn't have, you know, bucket loads of talent, I think the Bridges can be a player who uh, you should be looking at ahead of that number 10 pick. And you could make arguments that maybe he goes inside a top seven of a dynasty league. I probably wouldn't. He'd probably slide in around that eight spot, but that is ahead of that zone. And even if we're looking at seasonal leagues, He's got a sensational opportunity to be one of the top six, perhaps, uh, rookies for this coming season. I haven't gone into that in full detail yet, but I really do like what McCall Bridges uh, could offer in the future and for this Phoenix Suns team as early as this season. Now, to tie this in perfectly, let's talk about the guy that Bridges was ended up being traded for, and that is uh, DRC Zaire Smith out of Texas Tech, selected with pick 16 and then sent to the Philadelphia 76ers. Now, his numbers aren't anywhere near as sexy in the scoring marks in terms of per 36 when you compare it to Bridges, only 15.9, whereas Bridges was at 22. 15.9 points per 36, seven boards, two and a half assists. But again, it's the defensive ability, 1.6 steals, 1.6 blocks, 56% from the field, not known as a good shooter, but still hit 40% of his threes, hit a ton of his twos, even though a lot of those were in close. 72 from the line is not great, but it's not terrible. And this is a guy who has significant superstar upside. Now, most of the other guys I'm going to be talking about in this podcast, they're college stats translated very, very well in terms of their overall fantasy value. Smith's numbers didn't translate fantastically. But the reason I'm putting him here is when you talk to guys who have these significant analytical draft models, he is the guy with significant star upside based on advanced statistics, box score plus minus stuff. He has that absolute star upside. He's a guy who can show improvement in handling, can develop a shot. The defense is there. The athleticism is there. The scoring load has the ability on what he has shown so far to be able to be increased. So while I think he could be a really, really lean sort of production year for uh, DRC in Philadelphia because of the other players around All we have to do is go back, go back and look at a roster from 2014, any team in the NBA, and have a look how many players still remain on that team. Yeah, Joel Embiid, Ben Simmons, they're keys to this team. But if you would have said two years ago that Kyrie Irving won't be on the Cavs anymore, you go, what the hell are you talking about? Like, why, why wouldn't that be the case? You can go to any of these teams. Four years ago, three years ago, say Kevin Durant's not going to be playing for the Thunder. You'd go, what are you talking about? Kawhi Leonard not in the Spurs. Paul George not in the Pacers. Jimmy Butler not in the Bulls. Not even as free agents. Weird stuff happened. So Robert Covington could move on. JJ Riddick could be gone. Markel Fultz could be gone in a package for Kawhi Leonard. Kawhi could come and then he could leave. Or Smith just develops at a rate that makes other players expendable. You could easily see that way. So when you're looking at dynasty value, especially when you're looking at long-term stuff, how does it project out? Who has this ability? And it may not hit. Maybe it's only 25% chance. But when compared to some of the other guys, like Troy Brown, who was selected a pick ahead of him, I take Smith every day of the week in any sort of dynasty format just because that upside, that ability to maybe become a top 30 player is there. And it's probably not there for a guy like Troy Brown. So if you're drafting someone like uh, DRC, in Dynasty, don't expect a top 100 season. Don't even expect probably a top 200 or maybe even a top 250 season for him in 18-19. 
but look to 2021, 2022, that sort of zone. And maybe there's top 30 there for Zaya, a really athletic defender, perimeter defender. Think Kawhi Leonard, a guy that came in uh, to the NBA with no really noted offense, not a good three-point shot, but defensive acumen. And Smith has the real ability with his ath- athleticism to ca- get to that level as long as the shot comes around. It's a big if still, but I think that Zaya at pick 16, I would take him ahead of quite a few guys who who were selected ahead of him, like uh, Jerome Robinson, uh, Robinson, like perhaps even a Miles Bridges, like definitely a Troy Brown, Michael Porter, that's a debatable one. Uh, Shea Gilgis Alexander, I consider Smith ahead ahead of him just for that upside play in terms of dynasty value. So they're two first round guys or early first round guys who I think have some real uh, dynasty appeal and some real upside there when you're looking at their long-term type of value. Let's move on to the last of the first round guys uh, that I'm going to talk about. Um, most of the other guys I'm going to talk about are second round players in terms of value. And this, of course, is, uh, the rock DJ Rob Williams. Rock, DJ. He fell all the way to the Boston Celtics at pick number 27. Did Robert Williams out of uh, Texas A&M. I think this is a guy who, who translates you know, really, really nicely. And it fits exactly what the Celtics need. We could look at this even in redraft situations where he could become a top 120 player immediately. We don't know if Aaron Baines is going to be back. Daniel Tice is, is, is decent. But Williams could come in and be able to put up some really strong numbers from the get-go, mainly because his ability to block shots is strong, and he could easily average 1.6, 1.5 blocks in his rookie campaign. A very strong rebounder as well, a high field goal percentage player, a player that gets steals as a big man, and that's something that's really underrated. It's one of the reasons why Andre Drummond was close to a top 20 player. Yeah, he's an excellent rebounder, but he gets steals in big bunches. It's one of the reasons why Greg Munro has always been a successful player, because he's a big man that gets lots of steals. And Robert Williams is a pretty decent guy in terms of overall steal rate. He averaged 1.2 steals per 40 minutes last season, 4.1 blocks, which is huge, 14 rebounds, 16 points, 63% from the field. But of course, with Robert Williams, he can't hit free throws. DeAndre Jordan style, 47% from the line. That's a real concern. He's never going to stretch out to three. That's a concern. But points, done efficiently. Rebounds at a high rate, really high block rate, Really decent steal rate for a big man as well. These are all really positive factors in Robert Williams, uh, the Rock DJ. In terms of his dynasty value, I think that you're definitely taking him above pick 27 in dynasty leagues. And he is a guy that can contribute immediately. And even though there are some uh, knucklehead characteristics, we already saw he slept through his uh, introductory press conference with the Celtics, which is not a great sign. And that's part of the reason he fell due to character concerns. But if he can get his head switched on, if Ainge, Brad Stevens, Marcus Smart, Al Horford, Jalen Brown, if they can whip his ass into gear, he can be a productive player. It might be three seasons time as he starts to mature and get that sort of stuff happening. Or he could easily turn into Hassan Whiteside and be playing in Lebanon in two years and then come back to the NBA for one year and then turn out to be a massive dick again as Whiteside has. But who knows how this is all going to work out with, uh, with the rock DJ, Robbie Williams. The numbers are there, the fantasy appeal is there, and he should be a guy that you are significantly or looking at significantly higher than his actual NBA draft position. It worked out well, a perfect situation for him, a guy with a tremendous fantasy skill set, and I'm really interested to see exactly how he is going to pan out 
in the NBA because he is one of the more intriguing prospects. Again, a guy who uh, I didn't mention, Zaya Smith, came in with a 12 box score plus minus, which is a strong, strong number as a freshman as well. Really, really happy with that. You compare it to McCall Bridges, who had 11.5 as a freshman, and uh, The Rock DJ had 9.8 as a freshman, and, and Robert Williams actually put up 11.9 as a sophomore. So, yeah, Zaya's numbers there are really, really strong in that box score plus minus metric. Let's go on to now a, uh, a guard, and this guy went to the Houston Rockets, stunned that he lasted until pick number 46, and that's DeAnthony Melton. Of course, we didn't get to see him in college last year, suspended as part of the UC, uh, USC investigation, but again, a guard whose exceptionally high steal rate is something that we always want to look at, and I talk about it a lot on this podcast, is that steal rate is something that does tend to give, and it's not 100%, nothing's 100% in terms of this projection stuff, but high steal rates generally means that guys can be productive players, and this guy averaged back in the 2016-17 season 2.8 steals per 40 minutes. He also had 1.5 blocks, a long point guard, 6'3", but a decent wingspan. Seven rebounds, five assists. The shooting's the concern. Only 12 points per 40 minutes, 44 from the field and 71 from the line. No doubting that that's a concern. But in terms of my statistical translation projection stuff, yeah, the the assist numbers come out okay. The steals are good. The blocks for a point guard are good. Think of a guy like DeJounte Murray. But Melton's a guy who I think can actually generate probably more assists than what DeJounte has been able to do. Nowhere near the level of rebounder that Murray has been in the NBA because that was really a sensational performance for Murray to be this good of a rebounder. But steals, blocks, uh, decent assists, rebounds okay. Can hit the three occasionally, which, which Murray can't. And again, he fits into the perfect situation. Jim Harden, Chris Paul, who knows if Chris Paul is going to be back? We all also know that Chris Paul is injury prone. And when, when Chris Paul or Harden went down, they had no other point guards. Eric Gordon would have to come in. And while uh, Mike D'Antoni might not be looking at Melton being a key piece initially in that rotation or the limited rotation that D'Antoni runs out there is an impediment to him long or short term. The ability for him to come in and be this aggressive defensive guy while also getting coached by one of the best offensive coaches in NBA history, I think that's a real key to being able to work on what he can do, putting him in the correct spots to help him work efficiently offensively and boost his numbers quite a lot. So I love Melton. I loved him at pick 46. I think that he has significant ability to be a top 25 dynasty type target. And the situation couldn't have worked out, I, I think, more perfectly for him in the long term. Maybe not for this season again with Paul and Harden and D'Antoni's limited rotations. But as these guys start to age out and other players come in, yeah, Melton is a player who that steal rate, the block rate, the nice assist numbers with growth offensively is a guy whose value I am really, really keen on as we move forward. Let's talk about another point guard. You know I'm big on this guy, the French point guard who went to the Phoenix Suns, another Suns player here. Ali Akobo, six foot two, strong build, strong body, uh, good upside uh, play who averaged uh, per 36 last season, 17.7 points, almost four boards, six and a half assists and over a steal. Good shooting as well, 47% from the field, 82% from the free throw line. Another player who translated really, really well. And the Suns, as I mentioned earlier, they're declining that uh, restricted free agent tender on, on Lord Alfred Payton. He won't be around. So we're looking at Tyler Eulis, whose uh, guarantee date has been pushed back to June the 30th. He's a massive chance to be cut as well. 
Then you've got Brandon Knight and Shaq Harrison around. I'm not saying Okobo is going to be the opening night starter. I'm not saying he's ever going to, you know, or he's guaranteed to project to be a long-term starter, but he will start games this season. I feel really confident that he will be a starter this season at some point, whether that's injury-related, whether it's tanking purposes, whether it's just the fact that he's better than these other guards. I think that he will start some games this season and have stretches of time. Now, Knight should be considered, I believe, the favorite to start for Phoenix, but Okobo is a guy that I, that I think the NBA let him slide way too far. He can get steals. The assists are nice. He hits threes and he hits them really smoothly. He can score. He can hit free throws. The field goal percentage looks like it's going to be pretty solid as well. So he is an interesting guy. Now, his uh, his French Pro A box score plus minus is only 2.17, which is not a great number when you compare it to guys like you know, uh, Zaire at 12 or Anthony Melton had an 8.3. But of course, these are guys playing in college. Okobo's playing in a men's league against men-based players. And you can look at the translation stuff, thanks to Jacob Goldstein of uh, Nylon Calculus, who's able to translate what these international box score plus minuses would translate into the NBA. And a, a 2.17 translates to around a minus four in box score plus minus. You go, that's shit, Josh. Minus four, box score plus minus is four. That's fine. Okobo was 18 putting up those numbers. And if we look at the guys who put up minus four last year in terms of box score plus minus, oh, hey, look, Josh Jackson was a minus 4.3. De'Aaron Fox was a minus 4.4. Malik Monk was a minus 4.4 out of the rookies. Frankie Nilakina was a minus 3.9. Um, yeah, DJ Wilson, Thomas Bryant, yeah, Tyler Dorsey, not that those guys had successful seasons, but Fox, Jackson, Monk, Jawan Evans had a pretty good year. He played uh, decently in, in his time. Dwayne Bacon was able to see lots of minutes there. So it's not translating as a horrible situation for a Cobra, but it's more opportunity. Yeah, he, will he struggle at times defensively? Yeah, but the assists, the three-point shooting, the high efficiency, decent steal rate, pretty good rebounder. I really like a Cobra. I think he will start games, and I think he will have top 100 seasons in the NBA, making his fantasy value. When he was picked at pick 31 in the real-life draft, I would definitely be looking at him well above that zone. I think he fits in perfectly, and the Suns should be really, really happy with getting a guy like Elio Cobo at uh, at that selection there of pick pick 31. Two more guys I'm going to talk about today. Let's go to another international player, and this is the German wing, Isaac Bonga, who was uh, selected by the Sixers, but that uh, pick was ended up being traded to the LA Lakers, six foot nine, small forward. Now he averaged six three and two point three in uh, twenty one minutes per game last season. Got a steal per game, forty two percent from the field and ninety two percent from the free throw line, and a lot of that is why he translates so well as a wing, handling the ball and delivering assists. That's the key. Now, will he be able to do that in the NBA? Some guys like Timotei Lawawu Cabarro came over with similar sort of roles in uh, in Europe and weren't wasn't able to translate that necessarily to the NBA. But Bonga's got the size, he's got athleticism, he hits free throws at a good rate, gets steals, block shots. He's a guy that around that pick 39 zone, I'd be well well equipped to take him ahead of that. Now, his box score translation stuff doesn't necessarily look all that great. He had negative uh, 0.78 in the German league, which translates in the NBA to a minus eight, which of course is not really good. But we have to remember, again, doing it at the age of 18 that he was, He's going to get better as he heads into his first season in the NBA. 
Yeah, the the guys, the rookies who put up a, a minus eight in uh, in box score plus minus last season. It's not a great list of names. We're talking about you know Rocket Rodney Purvis, uh, Aaron Jackson in his limited minutes, Tony Bradley of the Jazz. Yeah, these aren't great names necessarily, but we're banking on a level of improvement from Bonga. He played 21 minutes as an 18-year-old in a professional league in Germany. The wing ball handling, the wing defense, I think, is a guy that makes me want to take a flyer on him. It may not work out quite clearly, but I think that the ability and the statistical diversity that he brings across, along with the athleticism and the size, makes me think that he could be a rotational-type wing in the NBA uh, and, and... I don't know if he's coming across this season. It looks like he might be here for summer league. Doesn't mean he'll be here this season, but this is a long-term play in dynasty that just may work out, at least has more upside than some of those other guys who you'd be selecting in that zone. The last guy I want to talk about is Javon Carter, selected by the Grizzlies with pick number 32, a smallish point guard, six foot two, but averaged 20 points per 40 minutes for West Virginia last season. Five and a half boards, seven and a half assists, and a phenomenal three and a half steals per game. 42 from the field, 86 from the line. You can't ask for more than this. One of the highest translation guys on a per-minute basis that I had come across. The assists, the steals, of course, the free throws, the rebounds. He hits threes. All of these things are massive positives for Javon Carter. And the Grizzlies' backup point guard situation, Andy Harrison, Mario Chalmers, uh, the other guys that they brought in, I can't remember all the names, Xavier Rattan Mays was playing times there. With Carter's defensive tenacity, with his ability to get out there and hassle the shit out of ball handlers straight away, with being able to contribute immediately on a defensive impact and hit threes and get assists, I wouldn't be stunned, and I think that sometime this season he'll be a med- he will be put in as the primary backup point guard at some point this season for the Grizzlies. Now, of course, Mike Conley's the starter, but Conley has hardly been the most uh, robust in terms of uh, reducing injuries. And Carter's ability to get steals, and Conley's not the youngest player. Do the Grizzlies tear it down and trade both these guys? Not that saying I'm saying that Javon Carter is a lock to be a starting caliber NBA point guard or anything along those lines. But he can be pretty solid. Now, he's a, a guy that had a 12.5 box score plus minus in his last year at college. Only 7.6 as a freshman. So he did benefit from being a guy who was at an advanced age. But he should be able to come in with a decent enough ceiling to be a guy with that steal ability, with the assist, with the ability to hit threes, to be a guy that I think has got some pretty nice dynasty value. Also in a pretty good spot in terms of the team that he's on. He will be embraced by the team. He will be embraced by the fan base. He'll be embraced by management. And these are all key factors in a guy being able to get consistent playing time. If you gave him 30 minutes a night, I reckon there's a chance he would be a top 80 player, even as a rookie, on the back of assist steals and threes only, not necessarily needing to be a high usage guy, which enables him to do that. So that is really, really interesting yeah, to have him in, in that sort of a, that sort of an area, um, with, with his, uh, with his production coming, uh, coming out of West Virginia. So really interested to see exactly how all of that pans out for a guy like Javon Carter and how the Grizzlies run things. But it's definitely an opportunity there for him now and in the future. All right, that uh, will wrap it up for today's show. Remember, 
Skype, Josh Lloyd 48. Call in show tomorrow. We'll, uh, you'll be on there. You'll be on the podcast. Your voice, uh, asking me questions, having a chat. So be, be ready for that. 8 p.m. Eastern time, Monday. Uh, make sure you are getting ready for that and tuning in when it comes out. And then the rest of the week, we're going to be looking at the dynasty value of all players drafted across these three shows, trying to rank those guys 1 to 60 with a couple of the undrafted guys thrown in as well. If you do like this podcast, Go and give a five-star rating. Apple Podcasts. You can find us Google Play, TuneIn, Stitcher, Spotify as well. And of course, on YouTube where you can find out the sex or see the sexy new graphics that Elliot was able to produce for us. Give it a thumbs up. Give it a subscribe. Tell your friends. Can't tell your friends. Be a, be, be a good bloke and get this out to all your friends as well. Follow me on Twitter at RedRock underscore B-Ball. Support the show on Patreon, patreon.com slash redrock underscore b-ball as well. And check out the rest of the Locked On Podcast Network, including the Locked On NBA show that I have done today as well. We are done here, guys. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya. Damien Lillard.